Yo, what is going on, Cover 7 family? Welcome back to another episode here on the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast. And in guys, in today's episode, we're going to be recapping all of the action and bowl games that we had from bowl season week two. Now, in the preview episode, we technically did recap some games. It was the early games that we had on Monday and Tuesday. But in today's episode, we're going to be recapping the games from Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I don't think, did we have any on Saturday? Let me check real quick. Yes, we did have one on Saturday. So we're going to be recapping games from all four of those days in today's episode, which we did have some pretty, you know, pretty decent matchups. But um, before we do start talking about all those games, I first want to ask you all to please make sure that you do like, comment, share, rate. Just do whatever you can just to make sure we continue to spread the Cover 7 podcast so that everybody can stay up to date with anything college football and NFL related. And I mean everybody. You know, you know, you know exactly what I'm trying to get at. So, anyways, y'all, I don't want to waste y'all's time. I don't want to waste my time either. So let's get right into today's episode. Now, in our preview episode, we talked a little bit about, um, you know, famous Idaho Potato Bowl. We had the Boca Raton Bowl, the Myrtle Beach Bowl. But we're gonna start all of our action off um, from Wednesday in the R Plus L Carriers New Orleans Bowl, in which we had the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers taking on the South Alabama Jaguars. Now. If I remember correctly, I had South Alabama in this game because I thought, okay, you know, Western Kentucky, they had Austin Reed enter the transfer portal, but then he decided to um, decided to come back. He withdrew his name from the transfer portal. And now I was, I was completely idiotic. I didn't realize that, you know, if you withdraw your name from the transfer portal, you're still eligible to play with your team. I thought you had to go through a process and everything like that. So that was my bad because Austin Reed, the starting quarterback for the um, Hilltoppers, who's been one of the top quarterbacks in all of college football this year, he started in this game. So, and I, if I had known that information, I would have likely have been, okay, yeah, 100% Western Kentucky and well, in this game, it definitely was the Austin Reed show, as Austin Reed would go 36 of 55, 497 yards passing with four touchdowns and one interception. He had three different wide receivers in this game, Dalvin Smith, Jalen Hall, and, and Malachi Corley, who would all have 100 yards receiving each. Dalvin Smith would lead them all with 145 receiving yards and a touchdown. Jalen Hall with 138 and a touchdown. And then Malachi Cor- uh, Corley, who didn't have as many yards but had one more touchdown, would have 114 with two receiving touchdowns on the day. So this was your typical Western Kentucky, you know, offensive, you know, meeting pretty much where they're just going to put up some crazy numbers on offense. Had a total of 522 passing yards in this game. Five total passing touchdowns. I mean, it was just absolutely Western Kentucky's game from start to finish. And, you know, for South Alabama, they suffered a little bit of turnover turnover issues in this game. Carter Bradley, the starting quarterback, who is a very experienced quarterback, had two interceptions in this game, which, you know, really did, you know, kind of lead to South Alabama having some offensive struggles. Um, But, yeah, this was really just that kind of, I guess you could say the moral of the story was Austin Reed easily could be a Power 5 starter at multiple schools, as we've seen with a lot of recent Western Kentucky quarterbacks, as Western Kentucky would go on to literally roll over the Jaguars of South Alabama in the New Orleans Bowl, 44-23, as Western Kentucky, they finished their year 9-5, and and... I mean, man, Austin Reed's going to be pretty deadly next year. And then for South Alabama, you still had a really good season. You know, finished 10-3, and and you still have a lot of things going into 2023 to be really proud of. But anyway, that was it for Wednesday. We only had one game, one bowl game on Wednesday. And also, as we move over to Thursday, we only had one bowl game on Thursday, which I actually went to for only a half and for good reasons because, man, in the Armed Forces Bowl, 
between Baylor and Air Force that we had on Thursday, that was just too darn cold. I mean, that was that just was not fair. 11 degrees down here in Texas is like the is like I guess you could say the comparison of like like negative 40 up in like Montana or a state like that. I mean, it is just so cold and you know, in this game it was really going to be, you know, Baylor couldn't really pass the football as much as they were going to want to because well, it's cold and and you know, in cold conditions, a lot of people really wouldn't think it's a lot harder to throw the football. And we saw a lot of that in this game. As in this game, there were there was only 30 total passing attempts combined from both teams. Air Force, their senior quarterback Hazik Daniels, he only had seven attempts with four completions in this game for 103 yards passing and one touchdown. But obviously, Air Force, their triple option team, like all of the other um you know military academies. They ran the football really well tonight, led by one of their veteran running backs in Brad, in, uh, Brad Roberts. He would have 37 carries on the night, 37 for 116 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Hazeek Daniels, 15 carries for 81 yards rushing and one touchdown. John Lee Eldridge third. that is one heck of a name, JLE third with 10 carries for 65 yards rushing. Air Force really just could not be stopped running the football, which... It's really hard to stop the triple option, especially for a school like Baylor, which probably really has not seen it that often and you know, probably won't see it likely very much again either. So, you know, going up against this Air Force team, I knew it was gonna give them some struggles. That's why I predicted Air Force to win this game, because also too, they're from Colorado, so they're used to weather conditions like this and it won't you know, kinda of anchor them as much as it would Baylor. And you could tell from the get go, Baylor just literally looked, and I don't mean to be cheesy. They looked frozen. I mean, they just could not run the football, which has been, you know, their strong suit on offense. You know, just, I mean, when you look at Richard Reese, Craig Williams, none of them could get going. Craig Williams with only 25 rushing yards. Richard Reese, who's a really talented freshman running back for the Baylor Bears, only had 10 rushing yards on the day. So, I mean, Air Force, their defense, I mean, did absolutely fantastic containing this Baylor Bear offense. And, Throughout the entirety of the game, it really was more of a battle of defenses more than anything, but the few explosive plays that Air Force did have would really be the difference in this game. You know, the one big pass attempt that Air Force had, which was a 68-yard reception to Amari, uh, Amari Terry, I mean, just that was really all Air Force needed as they would go on to beat Baylor and pull off the upset. Despite the record difference, they would go on to beat Baylor and get another 10-win season as Air Force. They go on to beat Baylor a 30-15 to as Air Force. They now finish up their 2022 campaign 10-3. and And then for the Baylor Bears... What, what should have been a really promising season, you started out in the AP Top 10, you know, suffered a lot of really rough losses, lost to Oklahoma State at home, lost on the road against a BYU team, which has also been very similar to Baylor, just disappointing-wise. And, you know, now you finish the season under 500 in a really devastating fashion because not only did you lose your bowl game to an Air Force team, you lost your bowl game against – you lost your bowl game at your rival's stadium. Yeah, it's <laughs> just, just, and as TCU fan, this one kind of feels good to me a little bit because, you know, Baylor was already ticked off. They're going to have to go up to Fort Worth and play at Amy G. Carter Stadium, which is the home of the TCU Horn Frogs, which Baylor and TCU are pretty decent rivals. And Baylor didn't like that. And, you know, the fact that they got whooped at our stadium with how cold it was and everything, it just was a perfect scenario. But, yeah, hats off to Air Force because, man, they're one, of the, they're one of the few group of five teams that I don't think gets enough recognition for what they've been able to do and how consistently they've been able to do things because, you know, each season in the past four years dating back, or, yeah, about three to four seasons, 
they've only lost three games each year. You know, only had three wins during the COVID season, but went three and three. They've gone ten and three, eleven and three, ten and three. You know, this Air Force team has been pretty solid, so hats off to what they're being able to do while still running the triple option and, you know, remaining to their roots. But anyway, Air Force would go on to beat Baylor in the Armed Affair Armed Forces Bowl, which would be our only bowl game that we would have on Thursday. Now, y'all, let's head over to a Friday, and this would finally be the day that we got our first real, you know, Power 5 game, and we also were back to getting a doubleheader, so we'd have a game in the afternoon and then also have a game in the evening. But the first bowl game we're going to talk about, we're going to go down to the Independence Bowl down in Shreveport, Louisiana, as we had the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, who didn't have to go too far. They're going to stay down there in the bayou taking on the Houston Cougars, who still have a pretty deadly offense with Clayton Toon and Tank Dell. Now, going into this game, my biggest thing was is how would Houston get Tank Dell going early on? Would Clayton Toon be able to avoid making the same mistakes he's made all year? And, you know, just be consistent. Don't be the, don't be a hero. Just make, you know, make the plays that you know you need to make. And, you know, in this game between the Cajuns and the Houston Cougars, Houston's offense just took an extremely long time to get things going. Clayton Toon only had two completions through two quarters of football, or about two quarters of football, so it just wasn't looking good for Houston. He wasn't connecting with Tank Dell, under-throwing, you know, barely being able to connect, but finally towards the end of the second quarter, he would finally be able to connect with, let me look at the right guy, uh, uh, Kayshawn Carter, sorry, I'm trying to look at all the numbers and everything like that. He would connect with Kayshawn Carter, which would make the score going into halftime only 16-6. to which is a lot more manageable than 16-0, to zero, which from the way it looked like, it looked like Louisiana was gonna just going to absolutely run away with this game. Their defense was doing pretty good, being able to contain this high-powering Houston offense, which has scored pretty much in every single game this season about 30 points. So being able to contain this Houston team would be a huge boost for Louisiana. But for Louisiana, their offense, which was so good in the first, you know, first half, just completely vanished, you know, got shut out throughout the entirety of the second half. Houston's offense finally started getting clicking. Clayton Toon, who, you know, when he gets going, not a guy you want to let keep get going, and definitely he was that in the second half, connecting with his favorite target, Tank Dell, two times in the second half as Clayton Toon would go 19-28, 224 yards passing with three touchdowns and zero interceptions. Tank Dell not necessarily having the best statistical game, six receptions for 44 yards receiving, but he would have one of the more clutch touchdowns in this game. That would ultimately give Houston the lead over the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. And, you know, also two turnovers were a big issue for Louisiana in this game. Had two fumbles in this game by Chris Smith, so that was really costly to begin with. But I will give their quarterback some credit, Chandler Fields. He looked pretty good in this game. 17-25, 169 yards passing with one touchdown and zero interceptions. But despite, you know, dealing with some injuries on the defensive side of the football, one of their best defensive players declaring for the draft, the offense of Houston was able to pick up, you know, pick up some of the slack in the second, you know, second half, considering how well their defense played as Houston would go on to beat Louisiana in the Independence Bowl 23-16 as Houston in their final game as a group of five team. They finish 8-5 on the season as next year they're going to be heading to the Big 12 and they're going to be definitely facing some pretty tough competition. So hopefully Houston's ready for, you know, playing teams that definitely have out-recruited them to say the least and definitely might have a little bit more of an upper hand on them for the next few years. And then for Louisiana, no one really expected them to do a crazy amount. Still a disappointing season because you still have talent, you know, on all sides of the football, but... I mean, once again, they lost their head coach, Billy Napier, who really helped rebuild that program. And, you know, they finished the year six and seven. Not the worst, obviously not the best, but still 
a season that, you know, a lot of people are going to, you know, kind of let go, which I don't blame them one bit. But anyway, don't mean to keep just rambling and rambling. Houston will go on to win the Independence Bowl 23-16 over Louisiana behind a really clutch Tank Dell touchdown. Now, y'all, the final bowl game that we did have here on Friday, which was a bowl game that I was really looking forward to. You had Sam Hartman of Wake Forest, you know, a team that really just looked bad in the second half of the season, taking on a Missouri team who had a really good finish to the 2022 regular season, you know, behind a really great you know performance by their starting quarterback, Brady Cook. You know, going up against these two teams, I expected to really be an offensive duel, right? You know, a lot of points being scored, you know, 50 to 40, which might have been a little bit unrealistic, but still, we can always hope and you know, and, and unfortunately for Wake Forest, they did get some bad news prior to this game, as it looks like Sam Hartman, who is arguably one of the best players, you know, in Wake Forest history, one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC, um, he would be either entering the draft after this game or would be entering the transfer portal. Now, he still has one year of eligibility left due to the COVID season, so if he wants to take his talent somewhere else, return home, go down back to Florida, which a lot of people kind of forget because if he does enter the transfer portal, Miami might be probably the betting odds because he originally went to Cardinal Gibbons High School, which is in Florida, and Miami needs themselves a quarterback for the 2023 year, and I think a guy like Sam Hartman would perfectly fit that offense, but anyway, not going to, you know, we'll, we'll save that for catching up with uh, college football here uh, next week, but anyways, y'all, you know, how this game would go, Sam Hartman pretty much continued to do Sam Hartman things. I mean, despite this being what a lot of people are presuming to be his final game as a Demon Deacon he balled out 23 of 36, 280 yards passing with three touchdowns and one interception. And the biggest thing for Sam Hartman was in this game when he became the ACC's all-time passing touchdowns leader, as now he has 110 in his career. So, I mean, just an absolute amazing game for Wake Forest. Their offense was really good. You know, a team that predominantly throws the football, they were able to run the football pretty good against Missouri. Had 106 rushing yards, but the big guy, you know, who's been – Sam Hartman's favorite target throughout the year, A.T. Perry, 11 receptions for 116 yards receiving in this game. But Taylor Morin would have two receiving touchdowns in this game. But we've got to look at the other side of Missouri, which now with this loss in this game to Wake Forest, the SEC, which up to this point is 0-2 in bowl mania so far. And obviously, they've got a lot more bowl games to go. You've got the college football playoff, everything like that. But still, 0-2, you know, two winnable games that should have been for the SEC. Not necessarily not necessarily the greatest start. You know, Florida got absolutely blown out in the Las Vegas Bowl by the um by the um Oregon State Beavers, who got themselves some pretty good news, which we'll talk about in uh episode five of catching up with college football. And then we got Missouri, who absolutely just choked on offense in this game, you know, shooting themselves in the foot, not being able to capitalize off of turnovers and, you know, having some pretty dumb turnovers, which we saw in this game. But um, you know, quarterback play wise, Brady Cook, he played pretty good considering the fact that he just absolutely was getting crushed this entire game. His offensive line just could not block, I mean, literally anything. I mean, they could not block water if they had flex seal right in front of them to patch up, you know, the little spot in the pipe. I mean, it was it was just a bad game if your name was Brady Cook. But, you know, he still performed pretty well, 29 of 48, 215 yards passing with one touchdown and zero interceptions. Now, Brady Cook did not have the performance like he had against, you know, Arkansas where he ran for three rushing touchdowns, over 100 yards rushing, only had 38 in this game, which a ton of credit needs to be given to Wake Forest for kind of eliminating his legs, not allowing him to be able to really hurt them by getting out of the pocket. And even throwing the football, Missouri was not really able to do much. You know, they lost Dominic Lovett, who just transferred to Georgia, so 
their top weapon and one of the top weapons in the SEC is gone for them. You know, they have a young wide receiver who's still very raw in Luther Burden, who had seven catches in this game for 46 yards receiving, got a little chippy at the end, and you know, really the biggest takeaway from this game, you know, stat-wise, you can look at stats, you can, you know, do all of that. It's just how undisciplined Missouri was in this game. I mean, you had the captain on defense. I can't remember his exact name, but but one of the defensive backs was trying to pick up Sam Hartman. You know, Sam Hartman was on the ground trying to pick him up. The captain, who I think is a linebacker or a D lineman, just comes running in, pushes pushes his player away and tells him, no, 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 don't, don't help him up, which I understand, you know, it's football. You've got to be tough and everything like that, but... To an extent, I mean, dude, come on. And then he starts throwing punches at two because two was trying to do. I mean, it was, you could tell this team very much was just ready to get this year over with. You know, discipline wise, wasn't looking good. Things started getting really chippy at the end. Luther Burden got absolutely helicoptered. You know, ended up falling on the ground. I guess he was getting hurt by some of the Wake Forest sideline. Looks back, looks like he's about to lunge towards him. Actually, th- you know, throws his arm. I wouldn't say it's a punch, but technically, by rule, he threw a punch. Luckily, didn't get ejected, but, I mean, man, just looking at how this Missouri team just kind of crumbled under themselves in this game, even their head coach, Eli Drinkwitz, who I'm just going to first and foremost say this. If you're an Eli Drinkwitz fan, pretty much you wanna, you're going to want to close your ears out right now, or if you're a Missouri fan, Eli Drinkwitz is a fantastic recruiter. You know, I've talked with a few Missouri commits. I've done interviews with them. Amazing kids, right? Super talented. I mean, he's definitely building up a really respectable 2023 class for Missouri. May not have all the big names that, you, you know, you'd expect to get from Bama and other, and other SEC programs, but he's building something in Columbia. The problem is, is his, I don't want to say maturity level for necessarily for Eli Drinkwitz because we all kind of have that little kid in us still. But, I mean, man, it, it just – I don't know how well he's going to be able to continue to be the head coach of an SEC program. It's a lot different, you know, when you're at App State with a lot less expectations. But now you're in the SEC. You know, you're expected to at least contend because back when Barry Odom was a head coach for the Tigers, you know, they were going to SEC championship games, only losing one to two games a year. I mean, Missouri, you know, less than a decade ago was a really good, consistent program. Now, I'm not saying Missouri can't get back to that. I full-heartedly do believe they'll be able to at least you know, get win eight games, nine games a year in the SEC because, no offense, I mean, they kind of do get a little bit of slack because considering, you know, you play schools like, I don't know, A&M, Alabama, you know, you play Florida, Georgia, it's a little bit hard necessarily to go undefeated, and I'm not expecting that whatsoever. No one's expecting that, but for all the talent that's coming in from Missouri in these next few years, if Eli Drinkwitz doesn't get things under control and definitely does not get this team a little bit more disciplined, I definitely think he's going to be hitting the doorway, and you're kind of wondering, why are you talking so much about him being immature, yada, yada, yada. I like his personality. I like Eli Drinkwitz. You know, he's definitely one of the more fun characters, kind of like a Mike Leach, you know, God rest his soul, Mike Leach. You know, definitely brings a lot of, you know, fun to college football. Doesn't make it always so serious, but the only problem is when you're in the SEC, it's a little bit hard to get away with a lot of that because you're under such a huge microscope, and everybody's examining every little thing you do. And, you know, he also went to the Missouri and Kansas basketball game and held up a sign mocking Kansas for all their recruiting violations and everything like that, which me personally I thought was funny. I had no problem with it. I mean, I know some people took offense to it if you're like a KU fan or whatever. But, I mean, just right now, I don't know how good Missouri going forward is going to be with Eli Drinkwitz. They're going to get talent. You know, they, they shocked the country, got Luther Burden last year, a guy that easily could have gone to any other program, a guy who's still potentially, I feel like if Missouri has another down year, probably will end up entering the transfer portal. But, you know, still, they've got talent. Eli Drinkwitz just needs to be able to discipline these guys, mesh them together, 
And, you know, Missouri can get back to competing in the SEC. They're not going to win an SEC title or do anything crazy, but at least be able to get eight to nine wins a season, which I think is very manageable for a team like the Missouri that continues to get talent year in, year out. So, anyways, y'all, that wraps up all of our bowl games that we had on Thursday. In my opinion, we're one of the more, you know, entertaining days of bowl games. You know, we're pretty close. The Houston-Louisiana game was absolutely entertaining. They had this uh, sideline guy for Houston who goes and picks up the tee off the kickoffs. His name was Hawk. Dude has an amazing mullet. Make sure y'all go check that out. I posted it on uh, TikTok and Instagram. And then we had Wake Forest and Missouri to wrap it up in a game, which, you know, might have sealed the deal for Wake Forest going forward because they're going to lose a lot of talent to the transfer portal. So, anyways, y'all, we only have one more day here in week two of bowl games. We only had one more bowl game, which is always one of the more fun ones, as we're going to go down to Hawaii in the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl as we had Middle Tennessee taking on San Diego State. Now, once again, going into this game, me being blind and, you know, remembering how San Diego State used to be and everything like that, not knowing much about Middle Tennessee, you know, my go-to is going to be, okay, I'm going to pick probably the more reliable one, and, you know, that being San Diego State. And, you know, you know, me thinking that I'm this, you know, college football guru, I'm like, yeah, easily San Diego State will take this game from Middle Tennessee State. Well, the game was pretty much neck and neck through three quarters of football because it pretty much was turnover here, turnover there, turnover here, turnover there because San Diego State starting quarterback Jalen Maiden was a turnover and interception machine in this game. Now, once again, I haven't really watched much much of these two teams this entire season, so I couldn't give you you know necessarily my 100% confirmed, you know, this is who I'm going to pick, yada, 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 like if we're talking power five ball, but... San Diego State, once again, like I talked about, they're a little bit more of a reliable team to pick. And this game was actually pretty entertaining. You know, for our only college football game here on Christmas Eve, I would say it was pretty fun to watch because it was a defensive slugfest, which you normally don't see a ton of in college football. But anyways, I don't want to keep rambling and, you know, talking y'all's ears off, which, I mean, I'm supposed to talk. But <laughs> anywho, guys, this game would pretty much be you know, be a, you know, one team would have a one-point lead, the other team would have a one-point lead, and it'd pretty much keep going back and forth, back and forth, until late in the fourth quarter when San Diego State, they would kick a 50-plus-yard field goal to finally take a one-point lead over Middle Tennessee State, 23-22, to but Middle Tennessee State did get the football right back as they would drive down the field and be able to actually get the game-winning field goal over San Diego State. Now, San Diego State, they would still get the ball back with time left. And, oh, well, if things just simply could not get worse for the Aztecs offense, they would get even incredibly worse as it would be fourth and long, the final play of the game, you know, their last chance to be able to make something out of it. You know, they complete the pass, but they try to do this, they try to lateral it back. And to say that it was a complete failure would be an absolute understatement. The ball is way behind the receiver. He tips it up in the air. Middle Tennessee State ends up falling on it, and Middle Tennessee State is able to go down to Hawaii and beat San Diego State 25-23 to in the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl. As now we have wrapped up all of week two of bowl season, and man, this bowl season definitely is not disappointed. We've gotten some great matchups, and I mean, I can't wait until week three, which you've already done the, um, I've already recorded the preview episode for you guys, so definitely make sure you tune into that episode because we have so many games to talk about in week three. Obviously, college football playoff is finally going to be here. We're talking, we're going to um, break down each individual semi-playoff game as well, so, so much to talk about, and guys, thank you for tuning in to today's recap of, um, 
bowl season week two, my mind almost went blank. I mean, when you talk about so much football, you got to do NFL and college football, your brain kind of turns into a mush a little bit and becomes literally a football. So, guys, thank you so much for all y'all do. Thank you for the support. Thank you for tuning in to each individual episode and just dropping a listen. And, you know, I look forward to continuing to drop these for you guys. I mean, we've got so much more going on in the future, and I look forward to continuing to build with y'all and, you know, just continuing to share the love of football. So, Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to check out the preview episodes as they will all come out on Wednesday. The recap episode for NFL will come out on Tuesday. And I'll catch you guys then. Peace, y'all. Have a great holiday weekend, and I'll catch y'all then.